Welcome to Think Big for Africa podcast. On this podcast, we will bring you interesting conversations with local, national, and international African leaders from all works of life, home and abroad. Leaders who are doing their bits to progress Africa's development. Conversation topics will range from education, science, health, leadership, politics, business, and many other global issues. Conversations about everything that concerns Africa's development. Africa has so many wonderful achievers worldwide, and this is exactly what we will bring to you on Think Big for Africa podcast. Stay tuned. Hello. Welcome to the Big Think for Africa podcast. My name is Ekene Banye, your host. Today, I have a wonderful, wonderful gentleman, a person I got to know a little bit uh, a few weeks ago, but since uh, I have uh, gotten to know him, I started following a little bit of his his work, and uh, I'm so excited to bring him here today. He was a former director general of the Zambian National Broadcasting Corporation, a former uh, communication uh, advisor of the the International Monetary Fund, Uh, also an ambassador, UNICEF ambassador for the Brothers for Life campaign, focusing on youth behavior related to alcohol and substance abuse. Now, these are just a few accolades that he has. So I want him to be able to tell us a little bit more about him. His name is Chim. I'm going to make, I, I hope I don't make a mistake <laughs> pronouncing your name, but I will try. Yeah, I will try. Yeah. His name yeah. is Chimbamba yeah. Kanyama. Brother, yeah. how are you, sir? Very good. Thank you so much. And the pleasure talking to you today. Very good. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You know, I, I know it has been weeks. We have been trying to schedule this. Uh, we schedule it. And for some reason, we don't do it. You have a chance to tell my audience why that is. But first, first, I want you to tell my audience a little bit about you and your work. Well, at the moment, I'm running a company called Bridges Limited, like a bridge, but Bridges Limited. People can find it on the website as uh, www.bridges-limited.com. We working with uh, uh, a number of government entities and the private sector's consultants, developing capacity, uh, developing strategy, doing a lot of training for them, uh, advising the government on change management issues. So the list is long. We've just been in business for four years now, but our clientele list is uh, as long as it can be. In fact, that's why we have had challenges 
finding the right time for this because uh, we are all overwhelmed uh, yeah. at this particular point in time. So I'm married, of course, uh, to a nurse. Her name is Annalise. She was my girlfriend when I was 12 years old. <laughs> <laughs> and we continued until we finally got married. Uh, we got four children. The firstborn is an economist. Uh, wow. He, he was trained in Namibia and he works with me here at Bridges. He's one of our, he's actually now just been promoted to head of projects and research. Interesting. Um, yeah, the second born son is an engineer, a civil engineer, works in South Africa, um, but is in the country working from home from Zambia at the moment. And my third born is a girl who is doing second year at university, doing uh, human resource management. And Chibamba, my namesake, uh, he goes to international school right here. I just wow. came from picking him up today. He wanted me to pick him up from school. Good, good, good. So, yeah, yeah. yeah you, you just told us what you do currently. But I want you to take us back a little bit in your career. See, I, I know you are a uh, communication experts so i want you to take us down that lane that's yep. that's something I'm, I'm interested for my clients my my audience to listen to yeah i i have two uh part of me there's an economist on one side there's a journalist on the other <laughs> so there are yeah. two people in uh and simply because when i was at university i did what they call double major uh i did two courses at the same time i did economics and I also did mass communications. Interesting. So when I left university, I was employed by the Zambia National Broadcasting Corporation as a producer. So I worked for the television and radio station um, as a journalist, basically interviewing high profile individuals, including General Basanjo from Nigeria. I interviewed him in Holland. Yeah. <laughs> and I won, as a result of interviewing those presidents, I won the Africa Award was called Utina Award, okay. Utina uh, Africa Nelson Mandela Award for Africa, and I, I got the award as best producer years back. Um, and Obasanjo was among those people I interviewed. Such a pleasure to have talked to him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, um, and I, of course, later on specialized in business and economic journalism. Uh, which uh, had me do a number of television programs. So I have produced a number of business shows and a program called Business Review. Um, I left broadcasting um, to work for a training institution. And it was there I, I, I became the economic trainer for Southern Africa, including East Africa for economic and business reporting. So I did that for quite a number of years, uh, though I was working, but I still had to take leave days to do training and I still do it to this day I just <laughs> trained a number, a number of Sadiq journalists in, in, in financial reporting under GIZ so I still do it to this very day as a part of a passion and of course I get paid for it yeah um, yeah I, I, after work I, I went for to England for my master's to do mass uh, not mass communication this time but my master's was uh uh, development finance at the University of Reading in the okay. UK. Yeah, that's where I did my masters. I, I, it was under Chevening scholarship. So when I came back, I was uh, taken to be director of uh, corporate affairs and marketing for the Zambia State Insurance Corporation. So it was there I developed even deeper level of interest in pensions, in fund 
fund management. Um, that's what I, I did until 2008, when I was put project manager to split the company, uh, pensions and life is one company, and then general insurances is another company. That was the project I spearheaded and uh, successfully completed that and moved straight to Submiller. Uh, Submiller in Zambia called Zambian Breweries. They were doing um, the brewery side and Coca-Cola bottling as director of corporate affairs. And uh, 2012, I was taken back by by duress, by force, by the state. <laughs> I was taken back to the Zambia National Broadcasting Corporation. There was a change of regime and they felt they needed somebody to help change the organization. So I went to broadcasting as the director general. I was only there for two years, four months because uh, I there was this advert for direct for communications advisor at the IMF in Washington. And that's where I was for three years to advise the IMF on communications to reposition it and uh, change the perceptions of the fund. Mm. And later I told my family, time is up now. Let me uh, leave something for the future. I didn't uh, want to retire my life as a worker, but as an owner of a business and the, hence the company Bridges Limited was born. I'm pretty excited. We have 14 employees. We are just employing another one now. The, by tomorrow, somebody else will be number 15 to handle the HR issues for the company. And then we have 10 associates as well. Those are the people we call on from time to time. Yeah. Some of them are more like working for us. Yeah. So that's really a brief, uh, if not a long part of <laughs> Very good. Very good. See, yeah. I, I, I started this podcast uh, because I wanted to talk to people who are impacting their, com their communities. And I see the, all, all those people as leaders. You see, one thing I, I noticed while working with uh, young Africans is that they don't see themselves as leaders. They only see politicians as leaders. That's a, that's a wrong definition of it. See, they don't see themselves, even though they are doing something that is impacting their community in a positive way, they don't see themselves as really doing something. Yeah. And if I notice, say for me, if you don't see the impact of what you're doing, they then you will not be energized to do it even better. Okay, so that's one of the reasons why I started this podcast. See, in this podcast, I haven't invited any major political leader. Yeah, because in truth, I, I don't want them. Yeah, okay? yeah. I want people like you. Yeah, you see people who are doing something that affects the grassroots and the community. Yeah. Because it, once we understand that these kinds of people are what we need to be yeah. able to build our community from ground up. Yeah. That's my, that's my goal in this podcast. And I hope uh, it happens, you know. Very good. Very good. good. Now, uh, brother, 
see, like I said earlier, I have uh, invited you on this podcast uh, maybe maybe four or five weeks ago, and we're supposed to be here. Yeah. And uh, one of the, the things that happened is that uh, you were not able to come because you fell ill. Yeah. You see, the, the world in the last 18 months have been going through a pandemic, a global pandemic. And uh, my, my daughter, my first daughter was infected. My younger sister was infected uh, in Nigeria. Her husband was infected. Uh, luckily for, uh, for them, their infection wasn't uh, major, okay? Minor headache, uh, loss of taste, fever, and they came, they came through. Uh, today, you are here, so you also came through, okay? Yeah. But I want you to tell my audience your experience going through uh, COVID-19 infection. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. Um, I fell ill mid-March. Mm. And uh, this was after a series of training programs. The first training program was for the Zambia Institute of Chartered Accountants. Uh, for one whole week, we were training the ambassadors. Uh, these are accountants they selected up from across the country. So we were out at one of these resorts where we did the training. Yeah. The room was okay, and I didn't have any complaints. Everybody was really masked throughout. Of course, you take your mask once in a while, but uh, it was specially managed. So yeah. People kept was very well managed. I didn't have any concerns. I had four, three of my staff supporting me throughout that week. And uh, the following week, we were training managers these are senior management team of the pensions and insurance authority of zambia this is uh, the regulator of the pensions in the country yes. uh, for four days at the same venue same same hotel okay but different room different room and i remember about that morning when i walked in there i found my co-trainer one of my associates one of my staff members already there and i stood by the door i looked around and i said are we going to have 20 people in here? Said yes, but the, the place is small. We are very squeezed. Said that's what mm. they have given us. Mm. I said I'm very anxious about this place. And indeed, after three days, I began uh, feeling weak. Ooh. In the night, I remember in the night I was moderating a session. Uh, it was in, an international session organized by the uh, British High Commission. And uh, through the process of moderation, I felt unwell. It was a mm. good hour. I began to feel sweating, my body was sweating, and just feeling weak. Went home, I felt something was not right. The following day, we had a council board meeting. I, I sit on a university council, one of the leading private universities in the country. And uh, I really started feeling very unwell that day mm. uh, because after the board meeting, which was ending at lunchtime, I should have driven back to this resort place to go and close the ceremony. It was yeah. concluding now. It was a Thursday. And after the event, I just told everybody, I, I can't take food now. I'm, I'm not feeling too well because they feed after the board meeting, you, you have yeah. lunch. Mm -hmm. I couldn't take that. I, I just drove, instead of going to the venue, I began to go home and a team of journalists were actually 
driving to the venue to capture to catch an interview with me yeah and i simply told them guys i'm sick i'm going home they said look we're already at the venue i said i can't make it i'm feeling really sick uh they said we shall follow you where are you right now i said even if you follow me i'm really sick guys yeah <laughs> in fact where i am i feel like somebody should take over the driving wheel to drive me home i reached home i just threw myself on the bed feeling so weak and sweating and all you want to do is just to be there yeah. in the bed and yeah. feeling sick oh. um i my wife is a nurse she took my temperature and everything it looked like oh, i was a bit okay it wasn't really very bad the fever <clears throat> but i was feeling sick and i told a group of uh <laughs> directors i said guys i'm i'm feeling like this and one of the ladies said hey just go and test <laughs> i've gone through that before just go and test and indeed my, we went to the hospital where my wife works and uh, we took the test and i was positive wow and that period was bad because um it, it's difficult to describe now when i'm feeling fine I'm yeah recovered. yeah i really felt really sick um i couldn't do anything i couldn't watch television i couldn't answer telephone calls i couldn't i i was just failing to do even reading messages on whatsapp including your messages yeah, I yes i know I you know. can't just do anything the, the 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 worst part of that that moment i remember was my chef our chef we have the same gentleman who was bringing my chairs our chef actually um so he the, the worst moments uh, was when he was bring, knock at the door that he has brought the food we had put a table by the corridor that he has brought the food because i went into self isolation mm. only my wife and i were in the same room throughout so we're in self isolation i i told the doctor there's a, a a personal friend of mine i just told him i'm not feeling well he phones me says but your voice is strong i said but i'm not feeling well i'm sick I, they found covid and he says okay uh, take your temperature go and buy there's that uh, oxygen machine which measures oxygen yeah. we we sent my our son to buy that uh, temperature and uh, blood pressure so we we would give him report every day three times a day three mm, times morning mm, lunch mm. evening so he would be monitoring those numbers every day yeah. and all he wanted to know mostly was the the fever and the oxygen levels yes he told us that he would tell us when to go to the hospital yeah. <laughs> if the oxygen was dropped or yeah. lost i imagine i think 90% or something um so that was how we managed one week the second week um all i can say is uh you you wouldn't like anything the food i di- I, i didn't lose stress but i lost appetite for food i yeah. hated food actually <laughs> you don't like food so i i had to force myself to eat so as not to lose energy yeah. i couldn't work my my staff members of course continue to do work i uh, had a lot of uh, people phoning for this uh, consultancy for this project and i simply said i don't want anything i have lost interest in anything yeah all i can say about covid uh, is it's a horrible thing it's, it's really horrible uh difficult to describe it, uh, and and because there's no real known treatment though we were given some treatment um but it, it was a horrible experience i would say really really horrible and i i i told people I would not even wish it to my worst enemy if I had any. <laughs> see, sir, see, 
what you just ex- expressed is what most people who were infected and were sick tell me. Okay, I, yeah. I have a few friends who yeah. have tell, told me this. You see, for me, why I ask you this question is that my audience are all Africans. And uh, even here in the UK and all over Africa, many of them don't believe COVID is real. And those that believe it's true is real, they refuse the vaccines. Okay. Mm. For me, uh, my, my second shot of my vaccine, I'm going to have next week, Thursday. I've already okay. booked it. Okay. I've had my first one. I'm going to have That's my first, second one. Very good. Very good. What, this, is, this scares me. Okay, This is what scares me. That my, our people have bought into this conspiracy mindset. Okay. And mm. it's it's not to our interest. Yeah. It's not to our I, see. I'm happy. I say this to all my guests that we discuss COVID. I'm happy that COVID hasn't affected Africa like it has affected the West. Yeah. And right now, India. Yeah. Brazil. See, yeah. people tell me, oh, it's because of the of the temperature in Africa. I said, no, it is not. Because yeah. the temperature in Brazil is just like Africa. Africa. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So there must be there must be something else that we that's going on that's why we are we have not been in, uh, uh, infected and impacted like the rest of, of these uh, countries and for yeah. me i want us see we need to take all these things to account and start doing our own research yeah. you see and more importantly we need to let our people know. Don't assume you know what you don't know. Yeah, absolutely. That's true. I agree. See, don't assume you know what you, you don't know. Yeah. See, unfortunately, yes, Africa is not doing its bit, according to me. Okay, maybe mm. you agree. And yes, we, we need to rely on the West and other countries. But please, see, I'm, I'm so happy that you, you, you came through and yeah. many people have, gone through, have, uh, uh, have come through. But yeah. see, if we take this conspiracy mentality, the next time a virus comes, it might not be as mild as COVID. Yeah. And our people will start saying, oh, this, this and that, and they will not take it seriously. And it will be devastating to us. 
that's that's my that's my that's my fear yeah and and, and really whether conspiracy or no conspiracy my, it, this whole thing is real whether there's people behind it or not but the issue is that it's affecting us yes uh, not only did i get sick but at the same time i recovered uh, I, when i was sick i lost one of my <clears throat> uh, reference friends who was the one who was my referee on wow. my cv um uh, when I went to the IMF, he was secretary to the cabinet. Mm. He was the referee to my CV, and he was still working in cabinet, uh, though he had been transferred now from secretary to the cabinet to another uh, as director general. Uh, I was sick. I'm, I'm just receiving this news that he's passed away, Dr. Ronald Musiska. He was a medical See? doctor, by the way. He was a yeah. medical doctor. Yeah. And just as I recovered a week later, <clears throat> another close friend across there, we, we went to the same church. We, we, he used to visit me often. He lives across the road right here. Yeah. Um, he was a director at APSA, uh, Collins Chasha. Uh, he, he passed away after being in hospital for one month. You see? Uh, devastating. These are, he's just one among the many friends I've yeah. lost yeah. through the same challenge of COVID. No, yeah. no, it is real. It is real. And, and I say to people, um, the risk of, uh, risk of COVID are higher than the risk of the vaccine. <laughs> So if there are any risks with the vaccine, it's a question of probabilities. Exactly. You know, we, a question of probabilities, but the probability chances of, of anything are really very, very, very minimal compared to the damage that COVID is caused. Yes. Yes. So I'm I'm happy. I'm happy you are well. And uh, I want I want our people to understand this is real. And we, no. we need to take care. Okay do everything we can do and avoid infection or and the infection of our family members thank you sure. sir thank you now I appreciate now when i first got to to know you uh one of the things i i i first saw was your uh presentation uh on youtube uh, title we were African traditions where African traditions designed to prefer to to preserve us now I will tell you this I've listened to that presentation maybe three times but some somehow the the sound the audio of that presentation wasn't very clear so I struggle in some instance, to, to really hear you clearly. So yeah. please, please tell us the, the crux of that presentation, the, the, the presentation. Yeah, it's actually a, a kind of uh, thought which is contained in my first book. My first book is Business Values for Our Time. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's really a connection of uh, values and entrepreneurship. Okay. Uh, it's a study of different cultures. So I looked at the Jewish culture, Indian culture, and several others, including Nigerian culture and so forth, and say, what makes entrepreneurs? Why is it other people appear to be much, to be far more shrewd, uh, have a better acumen in entrepreneurship than others? Um, there, there are different approaches will attach to entrepreneurship. And that's, so I connected to values and say, look, what do you believe in? how you are shaped, your, your orientation has an impact to what you become. Yes. Not that one culture and the other is 
better than another. No. Yeah. Um, e each one is shaped according to the economic environment around it. So yeah. the values sometimes respond to the environment and they determine how people should survive yeah. given the environment under which they grow. So you find uh, others where the environment is highly competitive, their the approach in, to entrepreneurship is much more aggressive and other cultures where they don't really compete much, they just produce, even their approach to almost everything else is much more uh, kind of accommodationist, okay? yeah. relaxed. Uh, so you find those kind of values. Uh, and then I say, in the um, TEDx uh, YouTube part you watched, yes. I was saying, there is something about our culture. I, I know that everybody believes that our traditions, our values are, are, are actually out, out, outdated. They are not relevant. They, they mean nothing to our own survival today. And we must replace everything, dismantle everything and replace it with conventional secular knowledge, which we acquire from school or from other cultures like Western culture or North American culture, replace everything. My argument there is saying everything that is being introduced to us, by the way, was already known by our own forefathers, our ancestors. They already knew how to manage. And I'm proving in there that issues of hygiene, for example, yeah. hygiene, male hygiene, uh, was known by own fathers. And uh, there's a tribe in Zambia, which I'm citing there called the Luvale Mbunda Chokwe, who circumcised children. The boys are circumcised when they're very young. And the process of circumcision itself is, it goes through very meticulous rituals, which are also hygienic in nature. And the, even the food that they eat is, is, is regulated because of what happens during the circumcision. Uh, no, that is a hygiene issue. That's yeah. a hygiene issue. Uh, and I'm also arguing that uh, uh, there are other cultures, like where I come from, that understood climate change, even before we started talking about climate change today. And that's just, um, we, we have shrines, um, these shrines, um, these are forests that are preserved uh, by, and it is believed by our ancestors that this is where our ancestors live in these bushes, in these forests. And nobody should cut uh, these forests for any reason. Nobody should cut a tree. Nobody should do anything. And they go there every year. Um, when there's drought, they go to these shrines. Um, and I, I was very interested to understand this because later on, the people of my area began to cut, invade these bushes, mm. say, look, the church has told us that these are just demonic, okay? So let us cut these trees that are just demonic. <laughs> so they cut the trees and, and it's bare land. And they have been experiencing drought after drought and the rivers, the streams have been drying up. And I got interested to find out why. I, 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 re I realized that number one, when the, the, the rains come, you know, they blow the air, there's nothing to trap the air to come down for the, yeah. for the rains to fall down. No, yeah. Because it, it needs something to just up there. Flow over, flow <laughs> over to somewhere else. And they would even see the rain falling the other side, yeah. kilometers away, but yeah. because they've cut down the trees. Number two, the streams have dried up because apparently those shrines were deliberately um, 
in areas of water resource, were actually water resources. There are these underground springs which later come out as a river, and the the the, the trees were actually managing those areas to ensure yeah. that there is number one no soil erosion, no no soil erosion near the water resources. Yeah, and to holding on through the rooting system, the soil, and um, now they have cut everything. And I said, this is the wisdom. This is the wisdom of our forefathers. They knew about almost all these things. They knew about food, which we should eat and should not, not to eat at certain functions, certain events, how to eat it. And, and that's why they, they were healthier. They didn't have deep blood pressure, diabetes, whatever, because they managed their foods using rituals. I may say, maybe there are no spirits in there, <laughs> but they knew that without attributing a spirit in certain things would not follow the advice. Yeah. So by virtue of fearing um, the, and respecting our forefathers, we began to do the right things. Yeah. But those right things ended up being the scientific thing that science is telling us uh, today. So basically that's why I said, uh, there's nothing as far as I'm concerned, there's nothing like uh, preserving our culture, you know, is the culture we, we should own our culture so that it can preserve us. It's the culture yeah. that is preserving us. And that is my argument in that uh, podcast. See, very good, sir. See, yeah. for me, yep. um, I love science. I mean, I love science. Yeah. But science doesn't say one culture is good or bad yeah. at all. Absolutely. You see, what our forefathers have been doing for millennia, they do by experience. Yeah, yeah, I agree. See, they, they got to do all those things because of experience. Yeah. So I have got young people waving at yeah, you. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're outside the house. You're enjoying yeah, yourself. <laughs> See, yeah, yeah. Our, our, our forefathers got to do all those things by experience. And for us to, in barely 150 years, to start saying to ourselves that everything our forefathers have been doing yeah. is demonic, is just stupid and ignorant. Yeah. Now, I know many people will say, oh, because I'm not religious, I'm not a Christian. Mm. No, that's not it. Absolutely. You see, what I would say is, is this. We have a lot of things in our culture, our community that we need to understand. Mm -hmm. And now we can understand it using scientific method. Yeah. Experiment to see what value is there in this that will help us 
down the road. Absolutely, absolutely. See, this this is what we should be doing. Yeah, yeah. See, very Afri right. Africa has so many things to teach the world. Yeah. If only Africans believe that they have something to teach the world. Yeah. Unfortunately, unfortunately, yeah. Unfortunately, many of us have. But this notion that everything we had that our ancestors used to do are rubbish. Yeah. And they fail to understand that there is value mm -hmm. in learning those things in a more scientific way to uh, know so exactly what is there in here. Yeah. And that's what, that's what we should be doing. You see, when it comes to me medicine, I'm sure we have been in Africa for as long as as uh, as any yeah. human has has ever lived on this planet. Before conventional medicine came in, yeah. So we have we have been healing ourselves. So yeah. why don't we go and start researching? See, yeah. this is exactly what the Chinese have done. Of course. See, the Chinese don't use Western medicine. No. Okay, because they have gone back to study their herbs in a in a, in a more scientific way to know no. what are the active ingredients in this mushroom, in that, no. in that, in that, and then they prepare it and put it out. In a way that anybody can say, sir, I buy Chinese medicine in London. Yeah. Because yep. it's prepared and preserved in a manner that I can buy and use. Yes. And this is what we Africans need to do. Yeah. Okay. It's not for us to just say, oh, this, this uh, does this and is the best. No. Tell us why is that. Tell us why it is the best. Tell us, well, why in, in the 21st century. So don't just tell us it's the best. Tell us yeah. what are the active ingredients and how yeah. it works. That's what uh, science can do to help our traditional methods to come. Yeah. You know, so uh, I'm happy. I'm, I'm, I'm happy that people like you are going this direction and i hope yeah. young people will listen and do the the needful and start studying all these things see Absolutely. because uh, uh i i don't want one thing that i i don't want us to i don't want us to to go backwards see the rest of the, of the world is moving forward yeah yeah okay true uh, we are static, and because we are static, very it's not very soon already. As, as the rest of the world is moving forward, it seems we are all, we are moving backwards, yeah. and the consequences are that the consequences are enormous, and yeah. we don't want that to happen. You know. Good. 
So, say you are a communication expert in any relationship, either one-on-one, romantic, business, or any relationship at all. Communication is key, very crucial, okay, to build, to sustain any relationship. Well, for me, I found that there's something else without which the best communicator and the best communication cannot sustain any relationship. That is value, similar value with the people in the relationship similar vision, similar ideology. I know you wrote, I can't, you wrote a a post on on social media about six weeks ago, which I I responded to on this this topic. Yeah. Oh, you did. (laughs) Yeah. See, because as a coach, I've been looking at these things without similar values, vision, and ideology, there's no, there's no relationship that will survive. What do you think? Absolutely. I mean, uh, everything is anchored on of values. Yes. So the, the key issue of values is, do I trust you? Mm. So when somebody's communicating, you want to assess whether they can be trusted. Yes. Whatever news item, when we look at newspapers, we look at listen to radio or television, the first thing when we hear a news item is, can we trust the person? Yeah. Trust at the center of all communication. And that's why you find in Africa for years, maybe not so much now, but for many years, there was a saying, if you haven't heard it on the BBC, mm. then it may not be true. <laughs> okay. They all, in other words, people were able to listen to the communication from different media houses. Yes. But to believe the communication, it was an issue of what values are anchored in the communicator. So the values determine whether we can trust you. Yeah. We should follow your, your advice. Um, or we shouldn't trust you. So trust that the center of much of the communication. And also, um, some people say it's, it's also about <clears throat> whether it's introverted self-interest communication or is communication that is about you. When you listen to the best communicators in the world, they first of all want to know as much as they must know about you. And that's yes. why you took time to research about me. Yes. <laughs> the moment you, you, you started saying, I watched you on um, uh, YouTube when you contacted me. I yes. saw you on TEDx and, uh, and that caught my attention. It showed that you are interested about me, not about you. Mm. So 
effective communication is showing interest in the person you are talking to. Yeah. And like you're saying, uh, whether it's in a marriage situation, the key question is to your partner is, can I trust you? Are you interested about me? Now, women normally tend to say, you don't listen to me every time I talk. <laughs> <laughs> you don't listen to me every time I talk. <laughs> Actually, they know that we listen to them, but they're able to know whether when they're communicating, we are interested in them. Mm. Or when mm. we're communicating to them, we're just saying something without showing intimacy and interest in them. And that's why you hear the word communication. Commune is real about a point of engagement, yeah. a point of interest, integration of emotions and harmony, harmonization of values together. Then we can commune together. You know, it's, it's a question of now coming together under a common platform. Mm. And when you create that, it becomes communication because now you are communing in agreement. It's not like you are just saying something somebody doesn't believe in you. Yeah. Uh, and, that, and it's good that you haven't brought politicians in here because many of them will <laughs> get to you because they are interested in your votes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. So we don't trust their communication as much as we trust the communication of others. The corporate world, we can trust them because they, whatever they communicate is anchored in their value system. Um, so we are doing a lot of communication strategies for corporate blue chip companies. Uh, right now, after this, I'm going to continue with that process with one of them. Okay. And one of the issues we are saying is, you cannot communicate what you don't have. Yes. So we must begin to put your house in order. You cannot tell people out there, we are good, we, are, we care for you, whatever. If internally you are disorganized, you don't care for each other among mm. you employees, Mm. Whatever you communicate, it begins within you. Once you put your house in order, it will resonate outside there. You yes. know? It, it shows the way you, you, you communicate. Yeah. Very good. Very good. Now, coming from what, what you said, if someone doesn't put his or her house in order, they can't go outside and profess blah, blah, no. blah. I will we, take this. We call it spirit doctoring. We call yeah. it spirit doctoring. Good, good. Now, now I'm going to take it back to Africa. We, see, this is, this is it. We as Africans need to put a house in order. You see, we as Africans need to put our house in order before the West and the East start listening to us. Because right now, they know if I go to Nigeria and I ask for something, they say no. All I need to do is go to Ghana. Yeah. And I'll get it. Well, yeah. all I need to do is go to Kenya. And I'll yeah. get it. All I need to do is go to South Africa. Yeah. And I'll get it. You see, if we do not put our house in order, 
the rest of the, of the world will continue attempting to divide and rule us. Absolutely, absolutely. That's very true. Very, very true. Uh, and we are seeing this in most African continents. Uh, I don't understand why um, thousands and thousands of people have to take huge risks crossing this ocean to go into Italy, to go into Spain. Yeah. And they are dying in their hundreds. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying we shouldn't migrate because people are migrating, but let us migrate for better opportunities, not yeah. because our house is not in order. No, we, we should move out fully knowing I'm, I'm, I'm going out there to learn something, to acquire come back. or to sell a, a, a trade, but not because my home can't accommodate me. Yes. Um, that, that is the first thing we need to do. Uh, I, what frustrates me, uh, again, is that a lot of young people, um, by the way, I, 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 I founded an organization called Teen Vision Trust in 2008. This is a platform where we mentor young people. And before COVID, we've been mentoring them every year. The first conference I had, 2008, there were uh, 5,000 young people who came over. And wow. Yeah, 5,000. Wow. We, we had invited the Minister of Finance to officially open. So we had to allocate children in different rooms. So he would officially open here. And, <laughs> and go to the another one. And wow. The point really is, one of the most frustrating things I get from most of these young people is they, they, they will tell you something that is very injurious. They say, why did we get independence? If, if getting independence from white rule or whatever meant us being free and have economic independence and liberty and, and seeing our economy successful, and we are not seeing most of these opportunities, mm. why did we get it? Mm. I don't mm. think we can blame anybody. We can't blame our forefathers who, 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 who secured us independence. We still have a huge opportunity to put the house in order. Yes. And I tell them, don't look at those who have messed up. I'm training you so that you are the ones to put the house in order. Yeah. And we are inculcating the values, the right values that we need for leadership so that we no longer blame anybody for anything. Uh, the only thing we can blame anybody for anything is that we didn't inculcate values of good leadership to those who messed up. Yeah. But you have had an opportunity to be mentored by ourselves. We may not be leaders, but we shall create that kind of world through you. And that's why we are mentoring you, training you, sacrificing all this so that you can put the house in order. Yeah. Very good, sir. Very good. Now, sure. this. <clears throat> uh, I look at the world today. See, I'm trying to, I'm trying to be like you. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to write a book. Uh, okay. and, and I've been doing this uh, since last year, and I'm struggling. Yeah? I'm struggling. Uh, one of the <clears throat> chapters I'm writing about is uh, mythology, okay? How myths helped human beings to come together, okay? And unfortunately, I see that those myths that brought people together in the old times mm -hmm. is the same myths that are separating people today because 
unlike those times, information wasn't readily available. So whatever myths that the leaders yep. tell us and we buy and we use to move the, the, the society, today, those myths, we see that were not true, one, and two, they gave special access to some people while depriving some people at, at the same time. So those people who were deprived based on, on that myth are now rising up and say, no, this cannot be. Mm. And the other, the people who were favored at that time are fighting back. Yeah, yeah, I get it. I get it. So I get it. See, see I get it. See, I, I see this everywhere. Every society in the world is fighting this myth of the of of, of old in their society. Yeah. How can we solve this problem it's a big one <laughs> <laughs> that one is a very big problem i mean uh, personally i don't i don't think that it's a solution of the politician no it's not However, it can help a lot if the leadership because i mean we cannot do away with the politicians yeah they'll always be there to to shape our societies in in some way mm. if we have number one Broad-minded leadership, yeah, at that very top, who can call the right shot and play the right music, the right chord, it can produce some level of harmony um, and, and unity. Uh, almost every society, like I, you were saying, almost all, every society is, is really fighting. It's all based on the same things that you said were helping us. Now there's some things are kind of like dividing us, including where I am in Zambia. We, we never thought there'll come a time when, again, we'll start pointing fingers against the other. And we're wondering where was it, all the effort we used? You know? We felt that by great engagement, better communication um, uh, and interaction, it would produce a kind of unity and uniformity and acceptance among the different cultures. But today the same platform, the same things uh, are being used now to, to, to divide, us. divide us. So I would really say it requires great leadership at all circles, at all levels, not only political leadership. Mm. That leadership must come from religious leaders too, must provide that kind of leadership. Yeah, That leadership should come from um, um, the business community. Now, let me say something about the business community because I, I've spent much of my career in the corporate world yeah. and, and I interact with the corporate world. We are hypocrites and, and, and the business community... <laughs> <laughs> I think the desire for money is not properly contextualized because you can desire to make profit by ignoring the what you are aware about the pastel because every business which anchors its strategic plan works on a pastel mm. you know, the political environment and but the business community while they anchor political environment social environment and all these things in their strategic planning they pull themselves out of it they don't want to openly discuss these issues mm. 
So they're afraid that if we talk about it, we will lose opportunities. Yes. If it, if we'll be cut off from supply, from contracts. But there are many ways you can address this. That's why we have got chambers of commerce. That's why I've got platforms and where business people can come together and they can speak with one voice without anyone feeling intimidated. There are issues that the business community should talk about. And I'm saying there are some, not all, but even on those some, they don't talk about. They only talk about taxation because it affects them directly. Yeah. <laughs> that one they'll talk about. Can you reduce the interest rates? Can you reduce taxation? Can you invest in infrastructure? But what about the social issues that affect the community? Yeah. What about the same political issues we are running away from? Because the same politician determines the taxation that, that, that you want to exactly. decide on. If, if, if you are going to do business in a, a market, in a culture which is divided and people are fighting, so there is social uh, lack of social cohesion, um, how would you market your product? Exactly. How would you sell your product? Because in some countries, even Zambia now, for the first time, if Coca-Cola wants to advertise in a local language, which local language are you going to use? Ah. <laughs> <laughs> it was easy then to just choose one because we didn't mind. But today, you have got 73 tribes. Okay. And you can't produce adverts in 73 tribes. <laughs> 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 See, for, for, for me, when I look at this, this ma matter, uh, I, I blame, I blame our political leaders for yeah. not being straightforward. See, yeah. for me, it's, it's simple. You, we cannot hide that what happened in the past. It is there. Okay? Yeah. Now... The, the, the record is exposed to everybody who clear, cares to, to, to see it. Yeah. So it's not wise for countries to be denying what anybody who cares to know can find out. Yeah. Sim simply, raise your hand up and say, yes, we made a mistake before. Simple. Own it. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Once, yeah. once you own it, once you own yeah. it, you don't fight it anymore. Yeah. And you say, okay, we need to correct it. That's it. Yeah. But unfortunately, uh, the people who gained from that in the past don't want to lose prestige or whatever. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I, don't, I see yeah my 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 solution might be might be very simplistic but uh politicians are a different a different breeds of of, of human beings you yeah. know yeah one thing you you mentioned before was uh climate change and you have been involved uh in climate change uh, uh, policies in Africa. See, we, many of our people do not understand that at all, okay? And we don't think, when, when young Africans on social media read about 
climate change, they just think it's just something out there. And they don't understand that it's not something out there. It's something right here. Every time I go to Nigeria, well, it's, it's been some years now. Once I come out from the airport, I see it. The dust, the fumes, the 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 hot sun is getting hotter and hotter. See, and we can't start working on, on those things until the people actually understand it. Yeah. For me, for example, they say there's something very simple that every household in Lagos, for example, can do. Look at you. You are outside your house under a tree. And I, I, I saw there's so many trees. Yeah, around there are a lot of trees. I, I planted them here. <laughs> Good. See, it's something that every household in Lagos can do. And yeah. the government of Lagos can insist that a house of this size must have this number of trees. But yeah. this can happen until people understand these things. What do you think we can do to increase the knowledge and the talk about, about climate change in Africa? Because in the long run, we are going to be the, the, the people who suffer the consequences of climate change than anybody else on this planet. In fact, we're already suffering from that because um, number one, our level of adaptability is very limited in many ways. Yeah. First, we, we, our technological uh, challenges are very high to begin to manufacture those things that uh, are not produced because of climate change. So we have to import most of those things. So we, can't, we, can easily, uh, we cannot easily adapt. Mm. Uh, our rural communities are mostly affected because culturally as Africa, um, we are not migrants per se. We migrate, but within the same environment. Same zone, yes. Not migrating across um, kilometers. It happened maybe in the 18th century, but no longer. Yeah. Our, our people now cannot easily move to another territory, another place. Because, yeah. Um, there are other people there. There are people, <laughs> there are people who live there already. So yeah. you tend to move within. And as you know, again, people cannot just easily move to abandoned places. They say the, the graves of our fathers are here, so we cannot move to another location who will take care of these graves. Yeah. Now, so because we are limited in managing impact of climate change, we have no choice but to begin to learn on how do we not only manage the consequences of climate change, but manage climate change itself, <laughs> not the mm. consequences, but mm. manage climate change itself. So change may be there, but we, there are some mitigation measures that can help us manage some of the impacts of yeah. climate change. And that is why the education is there. I was joking to somebody, I say, you know, 
there are more trees in Lusaka, the capital city, right now, and which is true, there are 10 times more trees in Lusaka, the capital city, than there are in my village area, oh in the rural God. area. Yeah, <laughs> and that's true. I can take an area shot, right, and take a shot of Lusaka city. There are more trees which we are planting. We are all planting trees here. You know, my yard is trees, and for us it's trees, and almost everyone has got trees. In the village, they are cutting them for firewood. Oh. They are cutting them for agriculture. It's such that animals don't even have anywhere to graze anymore. You know, I, I grew up in an environment where uh, during the agriculture, during the farming season, animals are moved. All everybody's is compulsory <laughs> in this, uh, it's called a, a camp or whatever, a uh, paddock. Okay. No? It's a big, um, maybe uh, so many kilometers, square many kilometers of bush, yeah. just bush. And government supported that initiative in the 1970s, 1970s under Kenneth Kaunda. They fenced these paddocks, fenced them. These are maybe 30 by 30 kilometer mm. of bush. And they fenced them with wire so that animals don't come out of that. Yeah. There's even an entrance, a gate, which you say, uh, and they are safe. But you know what has happened now? What? 30 years later, they have all, all, the, all the trees have been cut. Oh, People God. now live there. People live there. Um, I have got cattle in the village. So during the rain season, I have to pay somebody to take them uh, about um, 100 kilometers away to stay there for three months, four months, <laughs> where there's still some grass before people have invaded there. Hmm. Now, this is the climate change. And what can we do? We, we, we must provide one, just awareness to a sense of leadership. Now, yes. that leadership is not so much at the political level. The sense of leadership at the traditional chief headman level. Yeah. Where people are told, yes, we know our populations are growing, we're expanding, people are looking for more, for better land to build their houses, but there are certain things we can begin to do. Why can we not learn to live together and leave farmland to farmland? Yes. The way people in Osaka live. Here, they are not expanding outward. They are expanding by going up the sky, you know, in, in the townships, in Lagos, in Osaka. People are not building outward. People are yeah. building flat, they are building these. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, going up. I'm not saying villages have got technology to do that, but the communities can begin to, to live together so that they, we are not dispersed. This one there, the other one there, we leave that environment clean See, so, it, it, it takes uh, yeah. planning see yeah, town planning is uh yeah. is a major issue okay yeah. and it's it's more important now yeah. that we, we we need to learn how to see where i live okay i'm always always happy when i go to to London, for example, yeah. and I drive through a very what I call densely populated area, and yeah. then I just suddenly I come to this place where there's a big 
open field. Yeah. A park. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've been yeah. driving through houses, 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 and then I yeah. suddenly come to a place, a big park. Yeah. And it happens over and over and over and over again. Planning. 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 See, these are these are, are things we 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 need to learn from the West. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. In the West, they have been doing town planning for five hundred years. Yeah. Five hundred years. Yeah. Planning the cities. Yeah. We I don't know how much Lusaka is planned. But Lagos, example, is not very well planned. And when we talk about climate change, the lack of planning will affect what solutions we will adopt in the city. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because the best solutions might require the demolition of several houses. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And that that will become uh, something else, a, a, a political issue. Okay, so we need to start planning yeah. our towns, our uh, villages, our cities. You know, uh, our people. We need to start planning. Eh? We, yeah. we need to learn all those things. See that that things that the West do yeah. that we need to learn. We can't just say because they colonized us and they were bad to us a uh, hundred years ago that we can't learn anything from them. That, that, would, yeah. that would be very stupid. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. See, this, this is what may, many of our young people say, just because they once colonized us that we, we can't learn anything from them. That, that's stupid. Yeah. There are things they do that we need to learn. Yeah. And they use them to investigate and learn things about ourselves. Yeah. I know you are busy. So yes. let me let me quickly wrap up wrap up this uh, sure. not a problem. Sure. Conversation. So you look at Lusaka, you look at Africa today. And I, 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 for me, I think we are gradually, gradually improving in some, in, in some areas, but in some other areas, we are moving backwards. So Your imagination for the Lusaka, for the Zambia, for the Africa of 20, 30 years. What do you see? Um, I think I'm seeing the role of the intellectual becoming more prominent than it has ever been. Now, there are two levels of the intellectual. There was the intellectual of the 1970s, 
course, more of the reform, you know, the reform of the ideologies, mm. capitalism, <laughs> socialism, mm. and acting about the what is the best ideology, economic ideology and philosophy that the African continent should uh, benchmark itself on. So there was so much influence on African continent being one. We had Kwame Krumah, who first dreamed of African Union as with one president. Um, not much really realizing that score, though we have got the African Union today. The new intellectual is much more business-minded. So there is this convergence of a highly exposed intellectual who is running away from playing a role in politics mm. for some reason. They are, they are not very interested in politics because of the way politics are taking a shape. Politics now is about survival. So the intellectual has run away. But in that running away, the intellectual is beginning to redefine the role. And when I talk about intellectual, I'm not talking about academic person. Yeah. I'm talking about everybody who has been exposed in some way. Exposed, whether traveled, or been oriented separately, has been to school, has worked somewhere, and these have even worked in the corporate world, and they are coming back, their children have gained a, a education. They are beginning to ask themselves questions as, how do we develop our continent? How do we coordinate like capital inflows? And this is what I see coming by that period of time. The future of Africa and our respective countries will be much more anchored by what the intellectual you and me would define it to be. Your children, mm. my children, how we define it. It will no longer be anybody just out there, politician defining the course of, of the continent. You and me will begin to define it, not only by how we talk, but the resources we commit, even financially, yeah. within our own country, within our own continent. You are talking to me now. Yeah. You are from Nigeria, I guess. Originally. No, I'm in, I'm in London. You are in London. Okay. Yeah. But I'm Zambia. Yeah. We are talking. Yes. Oh, the perceptions were that Nigerians and Zambians cannot talk. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Kenyans and Nigerians cannot talk. South Africans and Zambians cannot cooperate. Zimbabwe. So we, we had this fight of struggling about what. But what I see, 20, 2050 is cohesion of intellectuals coming together. And yeah. that's why you are not saying, let me talk to somebody from Ghana. Or you say, oh, I found another one from Zambia. Can I talk to him? Yes. For you, it's not about... You are superior, I'm inferior. It was no. here's a brother who I feel we can share some knowledge. Yes. <laughs> and out of this, something emerges, something emerges. And, and, and this is how Africa will be brought together through yeah. platforms like this. Yes. To build one continent, to build countries that are no longer demarcated by boundaries and yeah. our cultural orientation, but people in agreement of what can we do together, stronger partnerships irrespective of where you come from but we are one brother and one sister from the i country. agree i agree and Thank you. to to make this a reality there's one thing education 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 good one good one good one so brother uh thank you let's just close this by you telling my audience where exactly they can find you in Lusaka 
and on the internet? Yeah, I think it's easier to get me um, on Twitter. Um, uh, Chivamba, uh, should be Chivamba. Uh, yeah, just check Chibamba Kanyama, but you should show you on Twitter. Yes. And LinkedIn, LinkedIn also Chibamba Kanyama. Just get Chibamba Kanyama on LinkedIn. Uh, it's also easy. On Facebook, I've got two Facebook pages. Yeah. One is uh, Facebook, just a page. The other one is, a, I, I just started it uh, in February. I think it wasn't active. Okay. But it, it, it's uh, a fan page. I think it's already Okay, has... yeah. That, 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 that's a, a business page, yeah? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that one has yeah, it has got about seventy five thousand followers. There about the other one about thirty one thousand. Um, but the, the the other one was closed for only five thousand initially. But there are many followers on it, so you can follow me on each one of those because I maintain the the the, the page one. I put much more serious materials. The fun page I put more of social issues there. Okay. Because there are a lot of people. So, but you can follow me either. But if you come to Lusaka, yes come to Lusaka, just ask anybody uh, you'll find, including a police officer, <laughs> ask about my name, and I'm very sure they will tell you that I live in Avondale. In <laughs> uh, because of my my uh, television work and media work, yeah. um, you won't be lost if you mention my name. <laughs> Thank you, British Bamba. Thank you welcome. very much. I, I love this session. I love our Thank conversation. You. Guys, Thank you so much. bye. God bless you. Thank you. Bye. Listen or watch more episodes of Think Big for Africa podcast with new guests every week. Subscribe to ensure that you are notified whenever new episodes are available.